Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Happy to get into everything golf this week. We've had a busy midweek this week, Dante, from the lates and greats, uh, getting back into the swing of things on the Paynes Valley unveiling, the Tiger Woods public course. Uh, pretty cool to see those guys muck it up out there. Uh, we've got more Tiger announcements going on. So let's just dive right into it, man. Paynes Valley, what a freaking place to play some golf. That will be a gem. That is definitely you're going to have your phone out taking pictures on every hole. I don't know if you caught most of it, but when I got home from work, I turned it on and watched a little bit of it. And all I can see were waterfalls and canyons. And I just said, that would be a dope course to, you know, take our skills and give it a shot, give it a whirl at. But I'll tell you what, man, that's a, that's one hell of a course. And, if this, I mean, it's a public course too, so I can't imagine what courses are going to be in store in the back of the mind of Tiger Woods that's going to come into the future. Because it amazes me, man, he, the fact that this is his first public place and it just wows and alls like it does. What what do we have in store for TGR Design down the road? I it seems like endless opportunities for him to who knows what type of creations can, he's going to get because. I mean, just looking at the two factors that stood out to me, like I said, were the were the canyons, like incorporating the canyons of the area that he was in and just like throwing waterfalls in there. I thought that was sick. And then let's not forget the hype that everybody's talking about right now is the is the great 19th hole. I mean, you have this huge canyon surrounding it, water all surrounding this island green. I think it was, what, 126 yards downhill. So it's going to be a perfect – like if you're going to take a group of buddies out to go to a course and have a buddy's trip and you're going to play Payne's Valley and, you know, you're ending up playing, you know, you have your round and then you know what, maybe throw a little closest to the pin action. Perfect way to do it is head over to the 19th hole. I mean, that's, that's one of the most picturesque holes I've, I've seen in, in a while i mean and you get you get this place that's obviously a bigger part or a small part of a bigger resort big cedar lodge i think when you think big cedar lodge they've had the champions tour there there the past couple years and it just everything seems over the top it seems gargantuan in this property so i think they've already they've they've been gifted this unbelievable property that sits on the hilltops of wherever it's at and and just it allows you know the architect to basically do whatever and if they want to dig you know 85 layers down into the earth then they're going to do so and that's what they did with this 19th hole um like you said the, the entire course really features all these crazy cliffs these crazy beautiful waterfalls and then it just it all culminates into this 19th hole and i think you put it perfectly what a what an amazing place to maybe even settle those week-long bets you got with buddies if you make a buddy's trip out to big cedar lodge what better place to do it than the 19th hole at Payne's Valley? No. And I mean, it's in the literally like the middle of America. <laughs> like pretty much it's right in the Southern net, like the border of Missouri, but I'm excited to see what other courses he's put. So, you know, he's probably going to put one in California. He's probably going to put one in like the Florida area, probably in the Northeast. It's going to be interesting to see what other types of crazy designs he throws together mm -hmm. and it'll be interesting too to see if these 
potential courses down the road are PGA contenders. That's the thing too. You get a lot of these, and I think it's going to be tough to start consider these PGA tour contenders as, as venues, because you see a lot of these courses that these big names are drawing. And as, as far as, you know, the Nicholas's, the, the players, the Fazio's, uh, the Davis loves, and now the Tiger Woods is of the world. Um, Ernie Els has even gotten into some course design over in Australia and, and over across the pond, but they, they tend to lean towards resort style golf course. I mean, you even heard a couple of the guys as they were teeing off, even Payne Stewart's son, Aaron had to chirp him a little bit and said, boy, you can tell this is a tiger. You can tell this is a tiger design course because the fairways are wide open, kind of hinting at, you know, tiger's struggle with the driver over his, over his career. But you know, when you talk about it, it looked challenging from a green perspective, if you're going to think about having hosting pros there, it looked very challenging from a, from a greens perspective. Yeah. And I think like you said, it's a resort course for sure. So the, the fairways are huge. And, you know, obviously top, every course is – every designer, they're, these pros that are going into the architecture aspect of things, they're going to design a course to their, to their eye. So wide fairways, you know, tough kind of – tough greens and shot shaping and here and there for, like, woods' sake. But – like you said, it definitely seems as if it's going to be it can it was a challenging course for the even the pros. And I think that's what's great about the course itself. It can it's playable for anybody. But what got me to is kind of the elevation aspects of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they zoned out, it just was amazing how spaced out the course was and how elevated it was on some of the holes even like hitting some tee shots in up into the fairway. It seemed like the fairway was well above their heads. Yeah. It just, it blew my mind too. When we, you know, obviously the entire world laid eyes on it for the first time uh, nationally during this, this, uh, this telecast, but to see some of these places, these guys were standing and they weren't standing that far away. But like you said, the elevation would change almost a full height of a person from like the kind of the green approaches all the way to the green. And these guys were having to hit like high flop shots or really high approach shots to get some of these short game, you know, areas to, you know, to tackle these short game areas. So it was really, really crazy to see. And I think, you know, God forbid we ever do see a a professional event go there. I think you're going to see a lot of craftsmanship in the, in the game of golf from a perspective of it's going to put short games on display because there was a lot of those tightly mown kind of areas around the green. There wasn't a lot of rough around the greens. So it gives players a lot of tight lies to navigate. And sometimes we all know those tight lies in fairways right around the green can sometimes be the toughest shots to pull off. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that kind of, it seems like it's so spaced out. I was actually shocked how they were able to even walk that course. It definitely did not look like a walker's friendly course. Mm -mm. The way that almost, was set up, and I can almost the elevation. bet you they're they're going to be the first people to walk that course, and probably the last, unless there's caddies out at that out at that venue. That that's most likely a riding only uh, resort style course. Like when we played in Disney, there was no walking the Disney courses. I <laughs> no. almost can imagine the Big Cedar Lodge is very similar in the way they treat their grounds. Especially when you have cutouts for kind of where the park to cart, <laughs> but. And another cool thing about the course, uh, well, obviously we would love to walk it, but you got to ride it. And speaking of it being forgiving, it's not extremely long. 
I mean, the Tiger Tees are 7,300 yards, and then it goes down to 68. So it's playable for everybody. So it's well, not ridiculously too, long. You think, too, the, that 7,300 yards, a lot of the longer par fours look downhill. So there was that elevation change almost helping you gain some yardage, too, which, which you know, at the end of the day, when you start to consider 7,300 yards not that long, is that an issue in itself? But I think that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, too. I mean, on the tours aspect, it's not that long. That's uh, that's considered short. But you're making a course that's that's friendly to everybody. Well, and, and, that, and, I think and providing that's the... those tees does start the conversation. Well, it does garner, you know, hey, maybe the tour will look at it as far as a host venue. And I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, right. When the I, way when I talked about this last podcast, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these TGR design courses becomes quote unquote Tiger's place as we as we get into the elder years of Tiger's career. You know how Jack's got his place, Arnie had mm-hmm. Bay Hill. You know, you, you step into saying, all right, well which one of these TGR courses is gonna be the place where they hold Tiger's event for years and years to come. It would be nice to put it at a course where it implements Tiger's game itself, not like a bomb and gouge, more of a, you better know how to hit your irons and you know, you better know, you better have to get around the greens if you miss. Well, we're going to hold off on talking about Tiger's iron game because I think you and I both know where we're going to go with that later in the podcast, but it's got big implications on the fall and the rest of the, the 2020 season and moving right into the first major of 2021. But speaking of play, Justin Thomas and Tiger Woods whooped up on the Englishman. They took home the, uh, the quote-unquote charity trophy of, uh, of Payne's Valley uh, against Justin Rose and Roy McIlroy. Um, you watched them a much more of it than I did, so I want your perspective. Um, you know, how did everyone look? I know it, it seems like the Europeans looked a little rougher than the Englishmen. You know, I mean, our United States guys, but, you know, what did it look like from a, from a play perspective? How did everyone look? Did Tiger look as, as fresh as you wanted him to uh, headed down into Augusta in 51 days? Uh, yes and no. It, it was weird. Honestly, I think all of them didn't want to be there because they were so frustrated with how their U.S. Open uh, week went. I mean, you can just kind of see it on their faces because what got to me was Rose and Tiger seem to keep quiet, yet JT and Rory kind of just just had a conversation with each other the entire time, which that was also neat because I know those guys, you know, as viewers, we want to hear them mic'd up, but as a player, they're probably like, I don't want to be mic'd up when I'm trying to play in a tournament and you know, this is my paycheck. You know, this is what I'm, this is my job. When they got a giant box on the back of them and there's cords, they all had, they went wireless this time. I was just going to say low key. How cool was it? Weird at first, but cool. Once you finally got used to it, to see the AirPods, to see the Bose headphones kind of take place at these big bulky, you know, conglomerates of you like you said the big buckles they usually wear on the back of of wires and everything keeping these guys mic'd up it was neat and different to see them go wireless yeah i think that's a smart decision on kind of the media side of it aspect because i've i've played with headphones in and airpods in and 
listening to music while I'm out there and not trying to, you know, bother anybody. And it's great. I mean, it doesn't get in your way and I can see how it can get in your way. If you got to wear like the where you're wired up and you have the box clipped to the back of your, your pants and whatnot. I mean, we can go back to, to that match with Tiger and Phil and Peyton and um, Tom Brady, where he, he hold out and like, you can just see that when he made that swing, it, unclipped from him and it started swinging around it was just it was just a giant mess and it was awkward listen man was, if, you just if, knew they it, were fighting very all awkward. Day long. you knew yeah. they were fighting so that long. that was cool so maybe if you i could probably see they probably got annoyed a little bit because i mean you've you know headphones in your ears for four or five hours is not it you know it starts you know it start start hurting well they're not, not meant even, to be not that, even that it starts hurting too but you even saw a couple times where like you just knew that with the headphones in the way they had them in instead of just the mics clipped around there like polos that they they weren't fully tuned in to even the conversations they were having partner to partner uh justin thomas had a chip shot that he was like hey partner hey pards how we okay let's jump into that first how weird oh, was yeah. it that tiger for partner decided to shorten it up to pards hey pards how, how you doing jt pards I, I was not oh, man, a fan just, of the word pards. I'm sorry. Just not a big fan. Of that's the just, tiger that's just tiger. That's just tiger being tiger. I mean, what's he say? Um, what's he called closest to the pin CP or something like that? Yeah, a little CP. He's got nicknames yeah. for everything and it goes back it's to the his weird... like, military background. I get yeah. it, but it's just something where that's not a, a short form form in which I was a fan of. Yeah. But I mean, it was weird. It seemed, Again, it seemed like they weren't all there uh, mentally, and I don't think they were very energetic because, let's face it, they got their asses handed to them oh, at the U.S. Smoked. Open. Absolutely smoked. Uh, but, I mean, it, it, and, I mean, it was one of those things, Tiger missed a cut, you know? So it's yeah. like he, he definitely wasn't mentally there. And it was like I, like I was kind of going back to as well, JT tried to start to have this little conversation about how he was going to pitch the shot up and, and just completely got zoned out by Tiger. And he was like, all right, good talk parts. And just ends up hitting the shot anyway. So it's like there was multiple times that I just felt like communication was at a zero between partners, um, and they were. They just probably couldn't hear each other because they had the damn they had the damn headphones in their ear. Well, that's what I'm saying. As cool as it was to go wireless, I think it was still uh, it was weird for the guys. They didn't know how to really like you know make you know the best out of the situation and use that properly. Uh, but I think it's it's a step in the right direction to making these guys mic'd up less cumbersome, you know, to these guys and less in the way. Yeah, I mean, what going back to that, it just they all seem like tired or tired and mentally drained, but they were all hitting great shots. I mean, everybody's swing was looking good, so like it was weird because there was points where it looked like when I even texted you, I was like, man, Tiger Tiger looks like his back's hurting him. Because the way he was walking, kind of, he was kind of like hunched over and just kind of like tight. But then he would just go rip one. So I don't know what the hell is going on with some, some of those guys, especially I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think um, ever since Tiger's fused back surgery, I just think he walks like that now. I just think he's just yeah. so cautious. Like he's got to be in a mind state right now that just says, save the back at all costs. Like, don't make a move in the wrong direction. And he knows what wrong direction is. Yeah, he doesn't mind even you. want to jump on his two feet anymore. That's what I'm saying. Mind you, he knows exactly what wrong direction that back doesn't move in anymore. So I think that new walk from Tiger is just the Tiger we're going to see until the day he hangs up the clubs. 
I, I just think it's a, yeah. it's a scenario yeah. in which he knows he can't move a certain way. But like you said, he's stepping up to the driver and absolutely roasting him. He won the long drive contest. Yeah. I mean, he, he was swinging it really good. JT obviously was swinging it good. Uh, I saw great shots from Rory. Then I saw that one snap hook from Rose. But other than that, they were all hitting it pretty damn well and swinging it pretty smooth. So, I don't know. It's just another practice round for them. And I think they – but that's another thing. Like, they weren't – they're out there for charity. They're out – you know, they're out there for the people and just they're out for, like – that's their social round for them. So, you know, they were swinging it really good, so the pressure wasn't on them. But well, I, t- I tell you I don't who know. else had a really good swing, and we kind of aforementioned him a little earlier, Aaron Stewart, man. If, if people haven't watched the game much before, you know, this kind of new wave of players, stop the podcast immediately. Take a look at Payne Stewart's U.S. Open win at Pinehurst. Take a look at that win. Just watch it intently and then play the side-by-side of him and his swing and ha- his facial characteristics and then Aaron Stewart's swing and facial characteristics. His son, now granted, I know it's supposed to work this way. You're supposed to look like your father or your mother. You know, that's just the way life works. But his son is a legitimate reincarnation of Payne Stewart. He's got the class. He's got the demeanor. He's got the laugh. He's got the charisma. Um, It it just, it was really, really neat to see at a place dedicated to Payne Stewart, to see Aaron Stewart there, take part in the festivities, you know, hit an opening tee shot hit a shot on 19, the, 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 the crazy-looking par three, and just be a part of it all. It, it had to be a special moment for him having a place named after his late father. I think he was nervous over that, too. I think he was probably shitting his pants. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and, and shitting his <laughs> pants, not because, not because of Rory, Justin Rose, or uh, Justin Thomas, but shitting his pants because Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, and Tiger Woods were standing right there with him, too. Yeah, right? Yeah. They hit it well, too, man. They're still swinging it. Dude, I'll tell you what. I hope we get at least another decade out of the old guys playing the par three contest at the Masters and hitting the opening tee shots at Augusta because we need much more of those guys. They are gems. They are absolute classic great I mean, ball strikers. They're, they're just, they're they're just great ball pure strikers. They're pure in it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, Jack just takes, like, you know, his mobility is not there, uh, obviously. That's what happens with, like, age and whatnot. So, you get, yep. I mean, he just takes, like, I mean, his swing, like his swing still resembles the swing that he had back in the day. It's just not as aggressive. But he just slapped it right in there, right dead center of the, of the club. I was like, geez. I was like, I need some help. And you know what's even more impressive? They're not old dudes swinging like driver hybrids or like iron hybrids. I'm pretty sure Jack was showing off his like blade iron that he just hit into the screen. And so was Gary Player. Because Roy McIlroy had made a little jab at him to ask him what he was playing. And you can kind of see in the playback him, like, flip up his iron. This thing's a blade. Jack is still swinging blades at, like, 80-some years old. That's incredible. Yeah. Steel shaft, too. Yeah, absolutely. He's still the, swinging the guy, steel shaft. The guy has no rest in his soul, and he's not going to give up the blade irons. Once a great, always a great. I mean, that's what he grew up playing. So I, I honestly think – if he were to go to these forgiving, so these graphite iron shafts and these big old fats, you know, fat club heads and with all this, ba- the, the, I think he would do worse. I think he'll just continue <laughs> to play straight up old school blades because that's what he grew up playing. And that's what he played in his, you know, in his prime. I, I just don't, 
I mean, I always say it too that some of these these guys that goes out and buy these forgiving irons, these big old meat sticks, yo, there's so much bounce on those damn things, man. I like for someone who's a decent ball striker, I think he'll struggle more than if you were to play with something that's just way thinner. Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. I love it. I love seeing the old guys get in the mix with the, uh, the vintage sticks and, uh, and make some good swings on the ball. It's fun to see. And uh, I'm always going to enjoy that. There's no doubt about it. But no, speaking sir. of things, speaking of things, people will always enjoy. Uh, they caught a hot mic item on uh, a Justin Thomas, Roy McElroy conversation. And I think this might've been the most relatable common man thing of 2020. <laughs> Rory was saying how he just has found a newfound love for Domino's pizza. And what, yeah, gets, dude, what, I... gets, what gets more common, man, every day, you and I, than Domino's pizza? Well, what cracked me up the most was the fact that Justin Thomas just started cracking up immediately <laughs> because he knows Domino's. He went, to, he went to college. We all know our college experiences. We all know our late nights and what are we ordering because what was open at 2, 3 in the morning – dominoes i mean it's just that perfect kind of late night snack and early hangover cure i mean i I think that's what all jt had to do and kind of just like solidified and just made it like that much better was the fact that he just laughed and you immediately like you and i know like we immediately know the like what Domino's is. Well, and you got to think too, like... because when's the last time Justin Thomas has had Domino's pizza? Because he's rich, rich, rich now. He's not just like tier one rich, tier two rich. He's like rich, rich, rich. And, and so you got to think, what's the last memory Justin Thomas has of Domino's pizza? And you better believe it's his roll tide Alabama days coming home after a football game, drunk off his ass from tailgating all day, ordering that Domino's pizza for delivery back to the dorm rooms. So, I mean, it had to bring hilarious memories back to JT. And like, what's your take on it? Is it, is it because Rory has just been so rich that he was so rich before he moved to the United States that he just didn't know about Domino's pizza beforehand? Like, was he, was he, was he too rich to know about Domino's pizza before this like happenstance? Uh, I would say it's that, but I also would say it's just kind of where you grew up, you know, I mean, he, you know what I mean? It it just kind of goes to like, all right. So like Philly, right. We got like the cheesesteaks and whatnot. You can go out to the Midwest and no one knows what the hell that is or the the concept of the sub or the hoagie or however you want to call it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, it's kind of like where you're at and where you're regional. from and kind of who yep. you are. Exactly. So I think it's both. I mean, I, I just think it's like where he grew up. Like, I mean, we could probably go over to him and see some cuisines, eat cuisines that we're like, what, what is this? Never heard oh, of he, it. Or, he's from Ireland, dude. It's all, it's yeah. all, it's all meat and potatoes over there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, well, we all know that, but I, I think it's funny, but it's kind of, it, it brings the common man. It, it brings uh, what I like about it. Kind of stuttering words here is just how related you are now to Rory, right? It, I mean, it, that, it just brings, brings him back to yeah. It it begs the question: How did Rory first eat Domino's pizza, and what was that euphoric moment for him to bring it up live on air? 
during Payne's Valley Cup. Or I mean, or he must did he really get paid by Domino's under the table for a sponsor spot? And is he low-key uh, no fan of Domino's? No, I do not think that was a paid – I do that legit came from him. And I honestly think he was like, dude, I just tried Domino's and didn't realize how great it is of not comparing it to like local pizzas. So Here's maybe. what I'm proposing. I think, you know, he just had the kid and everything, right? I think him and the family got a little too tipsy celebrating the kid's birth. I think they, they drank well into the morning. One of the family members who isn't rich, rich, rich said, Hey, what's a, you know, Rory was hungry, said, Hey, what's some good pizza right now? The guy who has not rich, 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 but just part of the family party said, I got the perfect remedy for you. Ordered up a bunch of Domino's pies and boom, semi-drunk Rory, euphoric moment with Domino's, the rest is history. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, he's got an endorsement deal now with Domino's, so they're oh, definitely if Domino's, working something If Domino's next. doesn't open the checkbook and hand him a blank check and say, here, buddy, it's yours, they're crazy. It's like uh, they gotta like have Subway a... did with Happy Gilmore. It's just it's, yeah. I was just gonna no say brainer. that they're gonna have a com- <laughs> they're gonna have a commercial with them now. That's a whole call that a whole one. Oh man, I love it. I absolutely love it. Now it, it's um it, it's definitely something I think if if there's good to come out of this crazy COVID times, we've been seeing more and more of this Tuesday Wednesday you know uh, charity event style golf event, and I like it. They're they're starting to mic up guys where we want to hear the conversations, and we're finally getting it. So it was cool to see back out there at Payne's Valley, and uh, I'm hoping for more of it. I'm just hoping they keep this this ball rolling, and I'm hoping we continue to get weekly events like this, and uh, and, and be able to tune into them. I think so. I mean, I hope. You know, when things kind of settle down and, you know, we're coming to an end towards and hopefully an end towards this pandemic that it's just, it just was, they weren't doing it just because there's nothing on TV. I mean, sports is pretty much back. So it'd be nice to see them continue this on for the rest of the, I guess, eternity for however long PGA is going to be around. It's getting these type of charity events. I mean, it showcases courses. It showcases the players and their personality, and it gives you something to watch during the early midweek. And it's just, you know, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. Oh, 100%. I totally agree. Uh, and, and it's something, too, where, you know, now that we're heading into the fall, um, it, it kind of like just – it foreshadowed, I think, things to come. We're going to see a huge stack field out at the Masters in 51 days. Um, Tiger obviously gonna, going to play in that. But then um, as we're recording here uh, late Wednesday night, uh, Tiger is committed to play the Zozo Championship. If you guys don't remember, he famously tied Sam Snead's all-time wins record at the Zozo last year. Uh, so it's potentially going to be his only start before the Masters. Um, so, you know, Tiger always talks about he wants that prep work in a week or two before a major championship. He always gets some kind of work in, whether it's going to the actual venue two weeks in advance or just getting a tournament under his belt before he heads into a major championship. So it looks like um, the Zozo championships going to be his, uh, you know, his kind of go time before the masters. Um, Now last year, obviously the Zozo being, across the seas in japan they've moved that they've relocated it to sherwood country club um of course actually tiger woods has had his own world challenge event there from 2000 to 2013 um tiger woods has won his own event at sherwood country club five times 
um, and is actually defending <laughs> champion the last time any tournament was held at Sherwood. So um, if it's a place for Tiger to really get some good, confident reps in before the Masters, it's going to be the Zozo at a relocated Sherwood Country Club, and I'm all about it. Yeah, I'm interested to see. And kind of like what we were saying for, uh, before, Tiger Woods is going to prep himself for Masters. I think that's his major focus in any for the rest of his career on the PGA. Mm-hmm. You know, he's trying to hit – He's all he really wants to do is just break those records. So why not kind of two for one? Get the most wins and get the most Masters jackets. You can do that in one, one tournament alone, right? So what's he going to do? He's going to prepare himself. And like he said when he won the Zozo last year, he did it with his irons. He flighted the ball. And I think that's when he when he's confident with that, you can't stop him because he's not one to really bomb and gash. That's not his play style. His play style is being able to work the ball. So if you can get him on a course where that's the main key, he's going to come out on top. I mean, last year at the Zozo, too, it was actually frightening um, to see how good everyone else was acknowledging that Tiger was playing at the, at the time at the Zozo last year. Uh, people that were playing with him said it's the best they'd ever seen him strike the ball. Um, so if he, if he can find that sort of groove again at, at a, at a shoreward country club where he's won multiple times, uh, he's very familiar with um, and not have to travel, not have to spend the time in the airplane and, and mess up the back. You know, I, I think it's only going to send shockwaves in within the ropes and say, Hey, tiger's back again two or three weeks before another masters. So I think it can only spell good news for his masters repeat, uh, you know, train. And and I'm all here for it. I want to see tiger, uh, tiger, put the jacket on tiger this year. I want to see it happen. I want to absolutely see uh, him crown himself uh, King of Augusta. And, and at this point it'd be six jackets. Uh, It would just be an absolute unprecedented back to back when everyone was writing him off. Um, if Tiger, comp- even if he doesn't win at the Zozo and he competes and gets the juices flowing, I think he's a lock for the Masters. I mean, you heard it here first. I'm calling it September 23rd. I think he's a lock for the Masters if he competes at Sherwood. That's, uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm like that. Is that a stretch? But at this uh, part of me, at the same time, is like I I can see that. Has he so, contended we'll yet see. this year? No, not really. But no, he's a lock. <laughs> he's a lock if, yeah. if if and and this is huge if. But he's a lock if if he contends at the Zozo. He doesn't even have to win for me to consider him a lock up there. He's just got to get the juices flowing good enough to say, you know what, Eldrick's back, baby. Yeah, it's just uh, it's all prep for the Masters, and clearly, you know, that's his. That's his main goal. I mean, like I said, playing at paint, uh, his new course. I mean, he struck it well. I mean, he was swinging it good. So, I mean, I don't really think there's an issue there. It's just I think it's more mental than it is his ability to actually hit the ball. Oh, 100%. Well, guys, um, if you think Tiger getting ready for the Masters in 20. 20- 20 here and then again for the masters in 2021 um, is something that you you know would enjoy yourself Um, we've got a perfect opportunity for you the third annual palm springs golf championship um, we're partnering up with them to offer you guys a little discount code uh, to go out to palm springs play pga west the stadium course 
a week before the PGA Tour is going to compete there as well. Uh, we've got an, a coupon code ETW2021 at checkout. You guys can go to fungolfvacations.com slash Palm Springs Golf Championships to find out more. Sign up, guys. Fill this field up. Let's get everyone, all of our listeners, all of our fans out there playing this awesome golf course, this awesome three-day championship. There's gross divisions. There's net divisions. Um, so no matter what your skill level is, you guys can come out, compete, play, have fun. And even afterwards, there's catering, there's drinks, there's all kinds of events after the rounds are over. So guys, go check that out. Third annual Palm Springs Golf Championship coupon code ETW2021 at checkout, and that'll give you guys $25 off the entry fees. Partner it up with a buddy. Go out and stay and play together. Palm Springs Golf Championship, guys. Go check it out. We'll be there. Hopefully to see you there. All right, so something we have to talk about too, Dante. You have gone through the ringers, per se, of you know, building clubs. You've been the ins and outs of building clubs from scratch, piece and parts together. Um, you've found a new, a, I guess, addition to your golf clubs, which I want to get into here. Uh, you've rebuilt some wedges here lately, and you put some a little bit of flair um, into these wedges. Yeah. Talk, talk us through, talk us through the build, and talk us through this kind of extra flair you've been able to put on your on your wedges. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I started learning. Um, it's just pretty crazy. I'm a huge tinkerer now. It's a blessing and a curse learning to be able to build your clubs. Cause if one snaps or whatnot, or you need to make a quick fix, you can do it. But at the same time, now you're sitting there like, let me tinker. So I had the idea. I said, you know what, what if I kind of want to test the theory? It's like, what if I get heavier wedges or heavier shafts in my wedges to kind of maybe off help out with a little bit of force or speed behind the ball. I don't know. We're just getting a little tested. I may be wrong or whatnot. So I decided to pull the shafts in my current wedges and decide to uh, reshaft them. So I got some heavier shafts. Um, and, you know, like I, like I saw that if you saw the earlier post, I decided to, I had the Titleist Vokey SM7. So I, in the black finish, I decided to, to take that off, bring it down to a raw finish and let it rust. As you can see our post, the rust kind of <laughs> faded away. So I might do a little retouch, but I was like, ah, oh, you know, I want to add some flair. So I was like, ah, oh, what would be it? So I got some pretty dope, dope shafts. I got the uh, dynamic gold um, S400s, the, the tour ones. Uh, so they're all black with like the gold kind of paint label on it. And I was like, oh, that'd be sick. I was like, oh, you know what? Why don't I? Because I think it would go good with the with the raw finish on the wedge. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and the rust. It's like, oh, you know what? I, I want to get some like ferrules. I see a lot of guys on Instagram using ferrules, and like they're pretty dope. You know, they're like these big, like one and a half inch long ferrules, and they kind of got that old school flair to them with like the colored, different colored rings. And I reached out to uh, shout out to uh, Wes Loman, salty golfer. Um, I reached out to him. I was like, yo, man, like, you know where I can get any, like, pretty sick-looking ferals? And he said, uh, uh, Boyd Blade uh, and Feral Company. So I was like, all right. So I went there, purchased some of them, and, and you know, popped them right on. And, and it was actually very – ferals are probably the hardest part. Out of all the club, club building and all that, just piece them together, ferals are the most difficult, in my opinion, because mm. – 
they get tight. I mean, you have to you based on the shaft size, you have to find the right barrel size. And then sometimes they get stuck. And then I'm sitting there back and forth because you they're plastic, right? It's it's really an aesthetic piece at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, you're just you're just cleaning up the club. Anybody can put a shaft in and have no ferro, but it's just gonna look goofy because the hosel of the club head is just going to it it's gonna be wider than the shaft itself. So why not taper it out and throw like a, a ferrule on there to kind of clean it up? So I did that. So I got these like I don't know what the the all the names are crazy, but it's like this black ferrule and it's got like gold and like purple rings to it. It looks pretty sick and I, it kind of flows well with the wedges. I'll post a picture on a so, on Instagram so golden, uh, golden shortly. Purple, golden purple there. You're you're going a little uh, Mardi Gras, a little Mardi Gras theme to these wedges, or, uh, or what's honestly, the golden purple? Honestly, dude, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I thought they were different colors from what I saw on the online. I thought they were kind of like all gold, and then when I opened the package, and yo, shout out to their packaging, right? Because it comes in a little pouch. It, it comes in like a little tea pouch. So like if you use the ferrules, so you buy the ferrules in bulk. So I think it's like a an iron set like thir- for 13 clubs or, or whatever. It, it's for a, all your like wedges and irons, right? Mm-hmm. So 10, I think it's 10, right? If you carry like three wedges and you have seven irons. So say 10, right? It, you buy them in a pack. So it's not like you're buying individual ferrules. You buy pick the feral color you want and kind of the style and then it comes in the mail and then you have this little it comes in like a little tea pouch and i was like oh this is sick because now i can like throw my teas in there if i want and then just have the ferals lying around so yeah i i don't know man it was weird i like i was like on the web maybe it was just a little late at night or whatnot and i don't know maybe my screen's putting a different color but i was sitting there looking at it and i was like you know, that would be kind of cool because it looked like this thick gold or like brown. I thought it was brown, right? Yep. That's what it looked like on the web, but it came purple. And I was like, oh, this will do. And I thought they were pretty dope. I'll post a picture. Let me know your guys' thoughts. But yeah, it was, uh, oh man, I just. Dude, I'm all about it's it. It's a I fun love, hobby now. I love that kind of, you know, just that, that flair. Just the, the, the idea that no one has what you're putting together um, is, is the reason we all do any kind of, you know, extra little gadgets or gizmos into whether it's wedge stamping, putter stamping, color fill, uh, you know, the, the, uh, if you look at guys that do their drivers and they, and they get those specialty, you know, USA drivers that TaylorMade's been doing lately, or just any kind of color theme with the, the epics, you can customize color and the epics, like, everything can be customized nowadays and that's kind of the trending thing in golf so i'm excited to see how these came out for you i'm excited to see what the ferals look like and uh and how they all got put together for you man it's it's neat it's awesome i don't want to get into it yet myself because i know it's a waterfall if i start it it, i'm never going to stop yeah it's funny because you think you know you kind of try and bargain you know, you hit up the the used clubs, you hit up the Ebays, right? You hit up the Facebook Marketplace and see if you can get like a he- a deal on the head, and and then you do like say like a driver head, and then mm-hmm. and you find a shaft, and then you get like the tip for it, and you pop that on, and then throw the grip on it. You're like, man, I just got this. I got this driver. Say like drivers are what like five hundred bucks now, theoretically. Just about so like four ninety nine ninety nine. Yes. So. <laughs> 
you cut that in half. I mean, you kind of get some used clubs, you find a shaft, you kind of take the labor X out of it. You do it yourself. You're making, so you get a full driver. You're looking at, depending if you shop well, you can get a driver for like a full driver with the shaft you want for like 250. Mm-hmm. Well, next thing you know, you're playing with that shaft. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. Next thing you know, you're five shafts deep, find <laughs> them online. Now you're sitting there, you're like, wow, I just spent like $800 on this driver because I have like 15 other shafts that just like swap in and out. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, again, it's like the blessing and the curse. Like I was saying, it's like, oh, this is dope. I have 15 options on based on like if my swing changes, if I'm looking for a little something different based on like how the shafts work. But then at the same time, you're like, crap, I spent all this money and two, I'm not giving myself enough time to get used to what I'm playing with, right? Because it's not necessarily the per, uh, the club itself; it's the person swinging the club, right? I mean, obviously, we know the club helps and does its part, but you can't be swapping shafts every time you play. I mean, I will, in say my this. opinion, at I times. will say this. Obviously, going and getting fit last two, three, four weeks ago, maybe now. Um, shout out to uh, Second Swing up in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, those guys are phenomenal. I'll send anybody who ever wants to get fit there. They do a phenomenal job. Um, it's sometimes the Indian and not the arrow and then vice versa. If you're not fit properly for clubs, it's definitely the arrow, not the Indian to a point. But once you finally do get fit and it puts it back in your hands and then you're kind of just tinkering with like small nuances of like weights and grams and different shafts and stuff like that it's a fine line between getting comfortable with, with a club and it's just not being the right fit for you. So it's, it's, I feel like a constant juggle and for tinkerers like yourself and myself who just love to try and see if something else might be the better remedy. Um, it can be a slippery, slippery slope. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. But it, but it's also fun too, to kind of when you're learning the build and then you're, you know, you're, testing different shafts to where you start getting a better feel and an eye for what you're seeing mm-hmm. in the ball flight of what's happening. And you can really make a difference. Like, I mean, someone who just like, doesn't really, I guess you say, I'm not saying they're not educated, but doesn't have the full education of, I, listen, I'm still learning too. I mean, there's so much to it that I don't even know, but I got a better understanding of kind of, looking at shafts kind of knowing what their general mm-hmm. um essence is or whatnot and what they're meant to do kind of like is this like low spin this one pr- promotes more of a low flight this one kind of has a kick point where it allows you to see a little higher ball flight more spinny depending on what type of like do you hit down on it do you hit up on it and you can feel it and you can see the ball flight like i i have shafts sitting in um another bag of mine that you know, if I put them in, I'm hitting these like block slices. Like right. it's just not for me, not for my swing. It's, it's pretty wild to see. And it, and it's fun too, because I'm kind of developing like a little craft of mine and a little bit of a trade. So like, I don't know if you guys want any help with the, some club fixes. Say you snap a club over your knee or whatnot, you need a new shaft. I mean, I could throw it in for you. No problem. And it, and it's kind of cool. It's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's cool taking something and then turning it into a product. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's always rewarding. It it builds on the hobby. It builds on the hobby of taking it from the course and bringing it back and saying, how, 
else can I fill my life with more golf stuff? And, and it's just, you know, it, it's a trickle down effect of, of loving the game so much that you've started to tinker because why not? Why, why, why do less time with golf when you can do more? Right. I mean, that's the beauty of the game. It's, a, it's cool. Just testing stuff, man. Now it. I'll tell you what, some of the ferals, they're a little, cause the best way to do it is cause they get like, when you slide them on, mm-hmm. it's tough. You'd like want to heat them up in like really hot water, like let them sit. Cause then they come a little bit more malleable and then you kind of slide it on as much as like as further as, as possible onto the shaft. And then you kind of just use the head to kind of push it down as far as you can. And then you just start kind of just hammering it in until it sets until you can then glue the head in. Well, let's just say I use kind of a heat gun to try and heat it up. Cause I was like reading different little things and, some of them are a little kind of melted or a little deformed. You'll see that in the post. Maybe I might hide that, but whoopsie. But hey, they're still working. But then show, again, like when you take it out, show us the trials and tribulations, man. Show yeah. us, show us the nitty gritty. It's a learning process, man. I mean, look at look at S dot putters, man. Look at the putters he's putting. He started out just kind of giving it, giving it a go, and look where he's at. Kind of develop his craft on you know, restoring putters and it's, it's awesome to see kind of where his craft has taken him with his putter business. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's that way with anything, man, no matter what you get into uh, when you first try things, it's never going to look like a professional, but over time and over thousands and thousands and thousands of, of, of iterations of it, you start to, you start to develop some talent. And, and when I say talent, I mean, you start to develop a skill. Like there's a difference between talent and skill talent. A lot of people perceive as just being, you know, born with a lot of the times in a lot of trades, you, you, you just have to do it over and over and over again until you develop the, the understanding of what all goes into, you know, putting a good product out there. So it, it's um, I'm excited to see how you continue to grow in building clubs and, and building uh, whatever you put together. Cause it's, it's something where at the end of the day, you're going to get better at it. So it's, oh, yeah. uh, what are you going to do next is the only question. Well, I, I tinker back and forth between uh, kind of my, I guess you can say hybrid and woods and drivers. So mm-hmm. you'll probably see that change constantly. Irons, I'm very comfortable with. I won't really change them. Wedges, I might I might mess around with shafts here and there now that I put, put my first uh, set of wedges completely together from not getting it from someone doing it for me. So – yeah, who knows? I, I'll test these out, and if it's if I'm not seeing what I like, I might go a different route, pull them, and try something different. So we'll see. Well, I tell you what, there's uh, something to be said with tinkering, um, and I tell you who's not tinkering right now. Uh, and we got to give a shout out to a a certain freshman female golfer um, on her high school golf debut. So not only her first high school match of the year, but her first high school swing of the year freshman golfer stephanie scott made a hole in one on her first swing out as a high school athlete uh on number eight so they they did a shotgun start she made her uh a a hole in one in her first high school career start first swing ever um on number eight at lake doser golf club um shout out to you stephanie that's just absolutely amazing just i mean first swing of competitive golf at a high school level you're a hole in one. You might as well pack it up and go in from there, right? Can't get any better. No. No, not at all. I mean, just like off of one shot. 
everybody wants a hole in one. I mean, you were that's on my bucket list and has still has been. Shout out to you, Stephanie. Played hundreds uh, of rounds. Join join the club of tinkering because you really can't get any more perfect than that from here on out. Uh, but just wanted to wrap up with that and some feel good stories. Uh, guys, keep swinging because I know we're all out there and I know we're still all searching for that hole in one. Um, so let, you know, let's applaud Stephanie. If you can, uh, reach out and say congratulations. Um, if not just, uh, appreciate the feat and, uh, and hope to see a, a golf uh, hole in one within our own crew here soon. Yes, sir. So awesome guys. Well, that's it from us this week. As always, you can follow us at enjoy the walk pod on Instagram and Twitter, um, as well as going to www.enjoythewalkpod.com. Um, we do have all of our United States flag, uh, golf memorabilia, I guess you could say, or merch out, uh, that's on our website that is going to go on sale. Now that labor day is here and gone, we're entering the fall. Those shirts and hats will go on sale for a limited time before they will be gone off the website for good. And we'll give you something guys new in the spring, as far as American flags are concerned, but go to our website, www.enjoythewalkpod.com. Check them out before they're gone. And, uh, We'll see you guys next week. We will have uh, owner and founder and creator and designer of Walker Trolleys on the show next week to discuss his partnership with the No Laying Up guys. Um, pretty sweet uh, thing they're going for them out there. They've uh, they've got a little special, I think, right now with Sweetens Cove, which if you know, you know. If you don't, we'll get into it next Tuesday. So that's it from us this week, guys. As always, get out there. Tag us in where you're walking or playing golf this weekend. Carry your clubs and enjoy the walk.